Hello, and welcome to Teaching, Learning, and Everything Else. A series of conversations with innovative educators at colleges and universities across the country and around the world. This podcast is produced by faculty and staff in the Center for the Advancement of Teaching and Faculty Development at Xavier University of Louisiana. And now, let's talk about teaching, learning, and everything else. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is Bart Everson. I am here today with a, a special guest, Laura Beeb from Sterling College. Uh, we, if that name sounds familiar, you might recall, attentive listeners might recall, we did talk to uh, Laura from Sterling College a little bit uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, that was actually a different Laura, though. That was Laura Spence. And today I'm joined by Laura Beeb. So please don't confuse the two Lauras, uh, even though they're both from the same institution of Sterling College. We wanted to circle back to Sterling College because there's some interesting things uh, going on there. But before we get into that, uh, first of all, Laura, welcome to the podcast. Uh, if you could tell us just a little bit about yourself and your life and you know what classes you teach and, and maybe what's your favorite class. Great. Um, well, my name's Laura. I have been working for Sterling College for about 13 years. I work in the environmental humanities group, although Sterling is very small and we often teach across the curriculum. So I teach um, courses that integrate natural sciences, cultural studies, the arts, and then quite a bit of outdoor education place based on the ground. Um, some of my courses on campus include uh, stories and storytelling and mythology, how it relates to the ways that cultures understand and articulate their natural and social systems, um, ethnobotany, concepts of cultural ecology, and um, when I'm not on campus, I'm teaching field-based courses that run from 30 to 80 days in the backcountry and some of our um, national parks, national forests that are often integrated looking at natural sciences, humanities, and outdoor education. So I just finished up an 80-day field course out here in the American Southwest looking at the natural history and ecology of our desert systems, the ancient cultures of people who lived there and their contemporary uh, descendants. And we did that all by traveling by foot um, and usually canoe as well. But with climate change, our rivers were low this spring. So we had to do quite a bit of uh, reshuffling our courses. So that's what I've been up to. Um, I grew up in the deep south and I left there, went to college out west, made my way up to Alaska, up into the Arctic, living in Inuit communities, and then came down to Sterling College during graduate school. Um, and so here I am today. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for uh, being with us. Uh, you know, Sterling College first came to my attention and uh, kind of made headlines back in, in 2019 when, um, when the college made action on climate central to the mission. And I just thought that was so interesting because the, the climate crisis is dominating a lot of our thoughts these days. Uh, of course, in New Orleans, I'm I'm living in a city, uh, as you know, that is one of the most one of the most vulnerable in the world, uh, and it just seems like this really needs to be uh, front and center for uh, for us all. But there's not that many institutions who've actually made it that that way, and Sterling has. So I'm just wondering how that has played out for you uh, as a teacher, as a as part of the college. It, was it was it a big shift or was it just really a natural extension 
of what you were already doing. I think it's a it was a natural extension. I think it was a practical approach, but it also was quite a bit of a political statement um, in higher ed to have other institutions think about their connections uh, to global systems, to the environment, their responsibilities. Um, it's not just institutions that have physical locations, but as the uh, sort of mentors for the next generation of problem solvers as well. Uh, Sterling has always been place-based focus on um, living within its local systems and finding creative ways to build community uh, to live in better accordance with the natural ecological systems, um, not just in rural Vermont, but how it connects worldwide through our food systems, uh, through our ecological studies, through our, our social dynamics and so forth. So I don't think that it was anything uh, sort of radical for us, um, but I think it, it was part of the conversation to get other higher ed institutions thinking about these things that we spend most of our classroom time thinking and discussing and trying to problem solve. Right. And you mentioned just a, a moment earlier about how climate change is affecting the uh, rivers mm -hmm. and how that's affecting your classes. There are other are there other ways that uh, the climate change is kind of showing up in your teaching? Oh, absolutely. We just had our end of the year risk management um, review of looking at incidences and potential risks and hazards to our students and faculty and staff. Um, and climate change was one of my largest uh, sort of challenge for the year. We are dealing with forest fires in central Arizona where we ended our course. Uh, campgrounds were closed. Um, we also operate in uh, Sierra Nevada. Um, areas that we had hoped to operate in this summer are closed because of massive fires and road closures from last year. We we're rerouted to Yosemite National Park. Last time we were there, we dealt with ash um, and students with um, uh, asthma and other sorts of respiratory challenges as well. So it's a constant. We were supposed to paddle the Rio Grande in uh, the border of Texas and Mexico for three weeks this winter, but the water levels are so low that it wasn't worth um, going down there because we wouldn't actually get to paddle. We would have been dragging boats. Um, so it's, it's a constant shifting safety curricular changes. What I found particularly interesting this spring um, dealing with low water and forest fires is looking at the ancient cultures of the area from the Pleistocene to contemporary times and how climate has always been a major driver of uh, cultural booms and also collapses in a way that's much more visible in the, in the history and contemporary issues than it is, say, in the Northeast. Um, it's a landscape that has defined human modifications, changes, and um, sort of a, a front line of, of climate change. It's so interesting. Of course, there's uh, so many facets uh, to this in New Orleans, uh, particularly. We we usually concerned about too much water, mm -hmm. and uh, in, in or water in the places where we don't don't want it to be, and in other places it's not enough water or not enough water where we need it to be, and so forth. Um, and I'm wondering too, of course, about just higher education as a whole. You know, of course, every college uh, is different. Every university is different. Each one has a different character, a different focus, uh, a different mission. Could you describe for us just a little bit about uh, how, what's, what Sterling is like in terms of its character, just to give people a flavor who may not have 
may not know anything about Sterling. Mm-hmm. I think of Sterling as in some ways pre and post industrial education. Uh, we have at our height about 120 students on campus in our field programs, up to 12 students. Um, and so just the idea of what education looks like is, is quite different. It's, it's community-centered, it's emergent, it's reflective based on the personality and the needs of the students. Um, it is human scale, so it's not these you know, thousands of students trying to get funneled through the same type of uh, approach, the same lectures, the same tests, but it, it's really about um, the dynamics of the community that's there, which is a reflective uh way of thinking about ecology. It's it's dynamic and it's in the moment and it's all about the inputs and the outputs. It's also what we call place-based. Um, so it, it draws on the history of land use. So we have classes in logging. We have draft horses that run a lot of our farming equipment. Um, we do have tractors, but we also rely on animal power and the history of that and how it can be used to offset um, uh, sort of climate inputs. We have a large focus on our food systems, whether it's permaculture, um, small-scale agriculture, looking at foraging, wildcrafting, collecting food, um, and some of the ethics and challenges around that. Uh, we also look at the arts and humanities that we gather our natural materials from the land. So we have uh, basket making that uses willows and alders from the land instead of importing from places on the other side of the globe. We also have a fiber program where our uh, textile materials come from the sheep that we raise and goes all the way from sheep into natural dye process with local plants. Um, so really contemplating how do you live locally, small scale in a way that fits with the community that you're in, um, but has to also be practical. So we have a maple sugaring operation that uses draft horses and uh, fires to boil that and that syrup goes into our kitchen. Um, we can do that as a learning opportunity. How do you scale up if you need to do that from a place that has more economic restraints? So um, basically I find it sort of a laboratory of how do we, how do we live more simply? How do we live in community? Um, what's going to work on a large scale and what has to be particular to the, the region that you're in? Um, yeah, that's a little bit, it's quite different than most people's college experiences. Oh, it really, it really sounds different. Uh, it's, it's very intriguing to me. Um, that's that's why I was kind of wanted to talk to you in the, in the first place, of course. Um, and understanding that all universities are different and have a different focus, a different institutions, of course, as I was saying before, I guess what I, uh, the question that kind of, uh, I keep coming back to is that it seems like these ecological issues are kind of universal that, uh, I mean, we all did whatever we might specialize in. We all walk the same earth and, you know, breathe the same air, drink the same water, just keeps circulating around again and again. So even though we have different missions, climate affects us all, uh, uh, the environment affects us all. And uh, do we have, universal responsibilities as educators, uh, particularly regarding climate and these connected ecological issues. Do you know, do you understand what I'm getting at, uh, what I'm asking? Am I even making any sense? Yeah, so our mission is ecological thinking in action. It comes from the Greek 
term that breaks down to oikos, which means household and ology, the study of the household. So we share the same house. We build the same house. We're um, intensely connected in ways that we can see and not see. And so, yes, we're universally. One thing I think about in some of my uh, environmental humanities classes is that we are part of the water cycle. Our bodies are part of that cycle. We're breathing in um, air. We're part of the biogeochemical cycle that is moving through our bodies, through our communities. And it doesn't matter if you're in rural Vermont, um, you're facing uh, the similar systems in the American Southwest or up in the Arctic or... um, in parts of Central Africa or wherever you happen to land on the planet. And so it, it is our, I believe, our collective duty to, to steward it and to come at it from whatever passions and background that we have, because it's going to require every facet of our life to really address and creative problem solving. And I think we need artists just as much as we need scientists, just as much as we need people who grow food and build buildings. And we need mathematicians however we creatively experience the world um, that has to be put into the the problem-solving conversation. I guess what I, um, I have this feeling that uh, all, we all need to be a little bit more like Sterling. I guess that's, that's my gut uh, instinct as I, as I, have learned more about what you're doing there at, at Sterling College, uh, even though um, the, there's uh, we have a different mission here at Xavier that is uh, you know it's pretty righteous and that we we're invested in and we believe in. Um, I feel like if we're not addressing some of these issues that you're talking about, that we're that we're really not living up to our full potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that spirit, I'm, I'm wondering what you may have learned, you know, in your teaching at Sterling, uh, engaging the, the mission that you've described, uh, what you may have learned that you think you would want to share with other faculty, you know, or teaching other subjects at other institutions and so forth. Is, is there, any, uh, hopefully, some of those folks are listening to you now. Is there anything you'd want to say to them? Oh, I think the pandemic has really brought forth some new reflective points for students, teachers, parents. Um, I think for the field of education, uh, doing less is more, having more time for reflection and in-depth look at connections, relationships, care um, over content and production. Um, I think that's what's going to help us in some of the climate crisis and social dynamics that come out of that. But I also think it's part of who we are in the healing process. And and I find myself doing much more of that in the classroom um, since the pandemic. Um, I think that's where creative uh, thinking and collaborative conversation comes from. Um, And ultimately, I like to think about this term of deep ecology. So there's surface ecology. We can recycle, we can do more sustainable building, but what is the ethos and the consciousness underneath it? And I think that's really where the reflective community building um, center of care and just spaciousness sometimes in our academic curriculum. So I don't know that I have a particular tangible, but maybe more of a, a way of operating and sort of codifying success 
in the classroom and our majors um, within our degrees. Yeah, so I think that's that's one aspect. Yeah, I think re-examining uh, the basis of our relationships could be really revolutionary. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, thank you so much for uh, talking with me today and speaking with Dr. Laura Beebe of the uh, of, of Sterling College. And I wanted to invite our listeners, if you've enjoyed this conversation at all, by please seek us out on whatever platform uh, you're getting this podcast from and leave us a, a review and a rating. It really helps other people find the podcast and so forth. One of the few, we're one of the few podcasts out there and uh, directed to faculty development. So uh, thank you again, Dr. B, for speaking with me today. And, thank you for uh, your time. Yeah, be safe, be well, and, uh, and uh, hope to talk to you again someday soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this installment of Teaching, Learning, and Everything Else. For more information, please visit our website at cat.zula.edu. That's C-A-T dot X-U-L-A dot E-D-U. Until next time, keep on teaching, learning, and everything else.